You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, it's a new year. It's 2019. Do you have any New Year's resolutions for us this season? I am uh, desperately going to try to just make it through this podcast as I drink coffee. <laughs> so my resolution is to stay awake throughout the podcast. I'm going to take it one step at a time in 2019, I think. I- I'm going to try to be more optimistic, I think. I, I think that'll be a, a good change. Oh, my God. Me. I almost spit take my coffee just then, Marcus. <laughs> I almost did like a, a legitimate spit take just then. So I wish I well, had that on camera. But I, I, uh, I'm going to do my best to be optimistic. Hey, there's a lot of things to be optimistic about the cow. Cowboys are in the playoffs. Uh, they're playing good football. I, I, this this Grinch needs to, to be just a little bit more positive going forward. So today is our Twitter Tuesday edition of the show. Uh, I asked for questions on Twitter. You guys gave me a ton of great questions. We're going to try to get into as many of these as we can. Um, and let's go ahead and start with kind of the big topic, which is uh, the – Monday was Black Monday in the NFL. We had, I think, eight head coaching uh, openings. There's a lot of discussion about whether or not Chris Richard uh, is going to be a hot candidate. We kind of both think so. Um, but are are you nervous about you know potentially Richard leaving and then you know maybe leaving a, a, a big hole in the Cowboys secondary? Uh, you know, I, I think it's something to consider for sure. I mean, you and I had the conversation right before we came on the air that, uh, you know, and this is a conversation that we've been having in some form or another for a while, that it seems like the, the tendency now for new head coaches is to try to get a young, offensive-minded coach. I mean, because otherwise, if you don't do that, you're missing out on all the hot, young offensive talent. You know, there's just not a place so much anymore for – um, you know the the way that they go up the ranks on the offensive side of the coaching tree, and the way that they go up the ranks on the defensive side of the coaching tree, just seems different, right? Like if if you become a a, a young hotshot offensive coordinator, play caller type, you're much more likely to leapfrog into a head coaching position, you know, at the next round right. of the car- coaching carousel. Um, you know, guys like Chris Richard, who, I mean, Richard has a resume that's pretty impressive. I mean, if you look back even before he was with the Cowboys, all those years as a defensive coordinator for Seattle when they were successful. Um, and then he comes here and he and the defense finds incredible success. And, uh, you know, if you talk to anybody here, he's a huge part of that. Uh, I still don't know that that is enough for him to uh, be considered for all these jobs. Now, the one the one job that he, you and I had discussed is Tampa, I think, because they have the right kind of defense kind of already in place there. Uh, Tony Dungy swings a big stick in, in Tampa Bay still, and I know the Glazers still really listen to him, and I, I guarantee you that he will be pushing hard for a guy like Chris Richard, uh, a minority candidate, uh, a, a person who coaches the same side of the ball as Dungy did, coaches the same uh, position that he did, and coaches the same style of defense. So I I think that Dungy will push the Glazers hard for Richard. I think that is the 
the one spot where I worry about losing him to. Outside of that, you know, you think a lot of these offensive-minded guys are going to be the ones to fill these spots, and, and maybe mm-hmm. we will skate by unscathed and, 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 and manage to retain him for next year. Right, and you if you look at the just the opening jobs there, you got to look at who's at quarterback. You know, with Baker Mayfield, the Browns need a new quarter or new coach. The Jets need a new coach. They have Sam Darnold, uh, Aaron Rodgers in the Packers. They need a new coach. Josh Rosen in Arizona. You can almost bet that they're going to be offensive minds that are going to come in and work with uh, those quarterbacks. Tampa Bay is a little interesting because they had Dirk Cutter. And that's a, obviously that's an offensive-minded guy. They may want. It, it, it does seem like these things kind of you flip flop back and forth. You have a you have an offensive guy that doesn't work out, then you go hire a defensive guy. I just kind of think of the Cowboys. They had Wade Phillips, and then they went to Jason Garrett. Um, Tampa Bay probably does make the most sense, but for Richard to get a coaching job, he's going to need to to impress a front office with his plan on offense. Who does he want to go out and sign? Who does he want to bring in on a staff? Um, and all that kind of stuff going forward. We still have a lot of time before anybody makes a decision on Richard. Uh, they can't interview him this week because the Cowboys have a game. They have to wait until either the Cowboys are eliminated or to the Super Bowl be, You know, with that two-week period. Um, so, again, a lot of time left there. Uh, one more thing I want to touch on with the coaching circle is the Cowboys offensive coordinator job. Uh, it's kind of been rumored all season long that the Cowboys will likely move on from Scott Linehan um, after the season. And there's been a couple names that have popped up recently that people are curious about. And one of those names is Adam Gase, uh, the former coach for the Miami Dolphins. Is he somebody who would interest you as a head coach? I think that, you know, the, I mean, offensive coordinator, I assume, right? Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Yes. Offensive coordinator. Sorry. About <laughs> well, um, I think you know. I think that there's been a lot of people out there that have kind of immediately shot him down, and and I I don't know. I mean, I, I think there are a couple of things that play to his advantage. I mean, one, I think he's very familiar with the kind of offense. I mean, he it seems to be Coriel based uh, you know, offensive mind, which which obviously would transition well in here. I think, um, he, you know, I liked him a lot as a play caller um, before he became. Uh, the head coach at Miami, um, I just I, I think it's it's there's some there's some ties there, you know. I, if I'm not mistaken, um, I think that there is a, a little bit of crossover in the history between him and uh, and some of the places that uh, like like I think he had he had been in Detroit when Martz was the head coach. Uh, and actually, yes. um, yeah. uh, when uh, when Marinelli was the head coach as well, um, so you know he clearly kind of comes from that more March branch of of the Coriel offense, right? As there's kind of like several different branches of the Coriel offense, and Garrett's on one side, kind of, and then on the other side is kind of Martz. Um and and, and I think that those. You know, his is more of a. If you think about Martz and about like the, you know, the the, the old Rams, the the greatest show on turf, and you know they ran Coriel concepts, but kind of more spread versions of those concepts. Um, so, and and I, that's kind of what when you think about Gase, you think about Miami's you know offense, you think about 
uh, you know, a similar kind of thing. You know, they ran a lot of pistol, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of shotgun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, 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 you know, they, they've got a quarterback down there who could, who is athletic and who could, who could run the ball as needed at times as well. Uh, you know, I don't think it's the worst fit. I, I think it's, it's not like one that, um, you know, you, you may get like, jumping up and down excited about is i don't know that you're going to sign if you sign adam gase that you're going to get the same reaction that you know some of us had for signing chris bichard uh having known who he was um but i i think that you know for if we're talking about what we like to see and, and bringing in more concepts of what generally cowboys fans would like to see out of this offense i think adam gase has a lot of can bring a lot of that, you know, a lot more of the more wide receivers, more movements, more shifts, that sort of thing, I, I, it, while still being kind of relatively close to what the Cowboys run right now. And, and so that the transition wouldn't be so, you know, wildly fluid. Yeah. Gase is one of those guys that, you know, has kind of, you know, he had it, had a, he has had coaching experience. Is he going to get another head coaching job right away? I'm not sure, but you bring him in. He's young. He's only four years old. He's worked with Peyton Manning. He's got a lot of connections in the NFL. It, it's all going to be whether or not he can relate to the players. I know uh, there's a lot of players on the Dolphins that did not get along with Adam Gase, Jarvis Landry when he was there, Jordan Phillips, the defensive tackle. Um, so it's all going to be about his personality and whether or not he fits into the locker room. Uh, so just kind of keep an eye on Gase, uh, and we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. All right, let's take a quick break, and we will come back, and we'll answer some of your Twitter questions. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for my advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't always know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They have been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me in the past, and that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win, and they pay. It's that simple. They have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each week. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Landon, this question is from Matthew. He says, just how much has Prescott improved his flaws this season? From the layman's eyes, it seems he has gotten better throughout the season with his footwork and his mechanics and is showing a little more anticipation as well. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I mean, I think he's still very much a work in progress. That That's the crazy thing about Dak is that, you know, he's he's a young player. He's He's succeeding despite being, you know, only in his third year. Um, you know, the numbers for him, I mean, look, it's hard to slice the numbers anyway to make him look like a bad third-year quarterback. Oh, <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean, absolutely. I mean, the, the numbers basically, 
if you're just looking at that, um, you know, you're, you're looking at an all-time you know run for a, a third-year quarterback. I think I saw yesterday the NFL put out some stat that he's the first player in NFL history with uh, his in his first three years having twenty plus passing touchdowns and five plus rushing touchdowns. Yep, yes, uh, yep. That's pretty insane if you think about all the you know dual threat quarterbacks that have been in the league. Um, so I, I I think that what makes Dak's evaluation different is that he's still very much learning and growing and a work in progress and 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 uh, you know. If you don't believe me or if you don't think that quarterbacks can continue to grow and all that, I mean, again, look back to Tony Romo. I mean, Romo was con- con- continuing to change things about his game up until the last three or four years of his of his, of his his career. And even then, I mean, he was still trying to tinker here and there with things to do. You know, with the, with, with the accuracy, with the anticipation, you know, this is about getting all these reps over and over and over again. I mean, I think, you know, with him and his footwork, it's about trusting his footwork, and that's going to take him doing it over and over again and, and, and it working. Now, uh, there are some things that we're going to have to wait until the off season for him to kind of really try to get into the nitty-gritty to fix. I mean, him throwing high on some of these in-breaking routes, I think he's he's going to need to really work on that in the off season. I don't know that that's something that's going to get fixed before Saturday. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think what's, what's impressive is that he's done so much um, in his short career already. And, yeah, he, he still has room to grow. He still has room to fix some of the things that uh, that aren't, crisp about his game uh and and i think a lot of what we've seen a lot of his problems are fixable i think you know a lot of his uh, ball uh control issues some of his, the, the issues with, with fumbling and stuff in the pockets i think you know he can hold the ball closer to his chest he can get the ball down in some of these throws i think it's fixable and i think you have seen improvement to answer the question um but i think as far as the the big things that we see that that Dak needs to to fix, you know, those are probably off season fixes. But I, I do have faith that he's going to be able to fix it with more and more reps, more and more work, and more and more trust uh, in his footwork uh, to get you know settle it down, get his footwork right, and then release the ball and not try to make it all a jumbled mess all at once, and then suddenly the ball sails on him. Uh, here's the thing with Prescott, too, that's got to be encouraging. Over the last three years, since his rookie year, they put more on his plate. His passing attempts have gone up every season, and yet he's completing about the same percentage of passes, 67.7% of his passes. Uh, his touchdown-to-interception ratio is about the same. Uh, he's still an efficient runner. So we're seeing you know, the Cowboys put more on his plate. He has less around him. Obviously, the offensive line was a big problem this year, and yet the Cowboys were still able to win games. Uh, he was still able to be successful. We kind of saw his passer rating kind of level out. You know, As a rookie, it was 105. Last year, it was down to 86. This year, it finished about 97. That's just probably what kind of quarterback he is. He's going to be somewhere between that 95 to 100 every season. And if you can get a good quarterback coach in here next year, a new offensive coordinator to fix some of his flaws, uh, he I think he's absolutely a, a quarterback and a passer that you can win with. All right, our next question uh, comes from uh, 2K King. Does the fact that the Cowboys defense has struggled against mobile quarterbacks concern you for this Saturday night? Well, I don't know that I completely accept that premise um, because I will I will say that the Cowboys have 
had several losses to mobile quarterbacks, but I don't know that the defense has been the cause of those losses. Um, I mean, let, let's look just look back at the at the the, the season, the, the schedule. I mean, let's let's list off who we've played. Right, Carolina has a mobile quarterback. I'd say right, Seattle. Yeah, but they only scored has, sixteen points. Carolina this, only this scored sixteen. Yes, yeah. yeah. Carolina, Carolina only scored sixteen points. Seattle has a mobile quarterback. I mean, they scored twenty four, but that's that's not a ton. Houston and it has was three turnovers in that game. The exactly. Was three turnovers that gave him points. Okay. Houston had uh, uh, has a mobile quarterback. It took them overtime to beat us, nineteen to sixteen, and Dallas had two turnovers in that game as well. Um, yeah, Tennessee has a mobile quarterback. Dallas again had two turnovers and lost twenty eight to fourteen. Obviously, the Tennessee game is one that you could point as as being. Uh, in your favor, I would say in that in the argument favor. Yeah, but, but Mariota didn't beat you with his legs in that game. Nope, it was didn't. his arm. So, right? so again, my point being that if you look at these individually, and then I guess you could say luck. You know, I think just because of, he did actually beat you a little bit with his legs, but still, even luck only scored twenty three points. None of these teams. You know, the only team that's actually lit you up <laughs> offensively is the Giants. <laughs> and mobile you know, quarterback Eli Manning, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know that that's a thing. You know, I think that um, the mobile quarterback thing, I, I think a good quarterback can beat you, you know, <laughs> and, and, and sure. how he beats you with his legs or with his arm is inconsequential and, and, and until you're ready to actual game plan. So um, I, I don't know that the Cowboys do have. Uh, so much of an issue with mobile quarterbacks. I mean, especially with you know their offensive line in the state that it's in. Uh, you know, they they could be giving up a lot of pressure up the middle. Um, and, and so you know the Cowboys know what they need to do. They got to collapse the pocket into uh, Russell Wilson. They've done this before. You know, maintain uh, pass rush depth levels. Make sure you're not allowing him chances to escape out the front of the pocket. And I think that you know they they can handle. All all of that, and then they they know how to handle uh, uh, you know, quarterbacks who can run around. I don't know that they have a specific weakness for that, and especially when you consider the you know the linebackers that they have playing now um, versus you know when they were playing a lot of the I mean these first three games that I mentioned Carolina, Seattle, Houston were all before week five. So, you know, I think you're seeing a lot more Leighton Vander Esch, a lot more of those guys roaming around the field and, and having guys like Jalen Smith kind of come into their own. Being able to green dog blitz in the middle or just, you know, contain, uh, I think that that allows you a lot more opportunity to kind of keep those quarterbacks at bay in the pocket and make them throw from the pocket, which is not necessarily what someone like, uh, you know, Russell Wilson wants to do all the time. All right. Our next question comes from Ian. Will we see the same kind of up-tempo offense in the playoffs that we saw in the second half of Sunday's game. Uh, he mentions Dak seems to thrive with that pace. Is that something you anticipate the Cowboys doing this week against Seattle? All right, so I, I'm not breaking news here, but I heard from a little birdie, and I don't know if you've heard anything. I have. I heard from a little birdie that this was a Jason Garrett game plan that, on Sunday. Have you heard that too? I I did. Uh, so we must have the I, same birdie. We may be the same birdie. Um, <laughs> if that's the case, maybe. You know, I I think you know it's interesting to me that, and and the the, the case was the fleshed out. It wasn't just a situation where I was told this. In the case, the points were made, and the person who told me this wasn't even a hundred percent sure themselves, but but pointed out several good things. 
if you look at the way that the progressions were going, you know, the passing progressions that seemed different. If you looked at the type of routes that they were running, a lot more of the slot option routes for Cole, uh, more seam routes than we've seen. I mean, beyond that, they're running the seam routes, you know, with the tight ends uh, running those kind of routes, which we really have not seen much of. Um, and, you know, again, tempo, uh, a little bit more spread out. Uh, you know, I think these are things that, um, uh, you know, if you go back and think about where this offense was when Garrett, you know, kind of stopped playing, calling play calling and, and handed it over to Linehan, um, you know, th- these are kind of traits of things that, that we saw in this offense before. So th- I guess the question becomes what was this last offensive, you know, game plan about uh, a change in the person designing the game plan? Um, or was it about the fact that they didn't have Ezekiel Elliott? They're trying to win the game without, you know, the normal center of their offense. The question, I, I think the question of whether or not that kind of up-tempo pace uh, offense will continue is answered by answering that other question. Was the, the, the what we saw on Sunday the result of a different game planner, or was it the result of not having Ezekiel Elliott and your starting offensive, two of your other starting offensive linemen, and needing to compensate in other ways? Um, I, I think it's possible that, you know, after watching all that success, that uh, we see a, a lot more of that. I think that's something that c- certainly um, is something to be lo- looking out for. Uh, I think they also are going to look at how Ezekiel Elliott had a lot of success against Seattle the first time they played, and they so they they're going to try to mix and match those two um, offenses. But I, I do I do wonder if the thought process isn't to just potentially continue to keep things up tempo, continue to spread things out, and especially now that you have multiple guys in your receiving core that you feel like you can rely on now. Mm-hmm. Um, to to make plays, I think that you know there's not as much reason to uh, load up the box in the passing game. I, I think, if anything, I think you're just going to see more and more variation, and 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 now the addition of more spread with up tempo because you've seen it. You've seen that Dak obviously does it well when he's put into that position, um, and if we have somebody that's you know going back to some more old familiar ways, and and and, and just to be clear. Another reason why it would make sense that they kept Dak in for four quarters, if yeah, they had changed the game plan, the game plan, you know, if, if Garrett is designing the game plan versus you know Linehan was to get get Dak used to you know uh, that that change. It's a late, it's a very late in the game change, uh, and if it's true, I will say that it's incredibly ballsy, <laughs> incredibly bold. To be changing right. the, I mean, to be you know having your week seventeen meaningless game, uh, and then deciding that your week seventeen game is going to be the game that you're going to change who's designing your game planning uh, on offense. Uh, that's that's someone taking a shot and realizing, hey, we only get one shot at this. Uh, we got to make it our best shot. And if if Garrett is taking the reins in the offense for that, and Linehan's just literally calling the plays. Uh, that's a change, and that's a pretty serious change, and it'll be interesting to see what gets rolled out there on Saturday uh, evening. Yeah, those are all you know, all excellent points. Um, it, it just if this was any other opponent except for Seattle, I think the Cowboys would be a little bit more open to airing it out. But it just seems in my mind the way I picture this game is that the Cowboys are going to play it very close to the vest, at least for the first quarter or so, kind of feel each other out, and then. 
maybe in the second half open things up. But uh, it was it was nice to at least see a different style of game from the Cowboys on Sunday. All right, our last question comes from Carlos. Who do you think is the most underrated and overrated Cowboy entering the playoffs? I'll give you some time to think. I'll go ahead and give you my most overrated player. Uh, I think it's Xavier Suofilo. I think people have kind of elevated him <laughs> to this status of, you know, hey, they're starting to win games because they made the move of, from Connor Williams to Xavier Suofilo. I don't think that's the case. I, I'm not, actually not sure why they, they're continuing to go with Suofilo there. I thought Connor Williams was excellent again yesterday. Um, but to me, he's the most overrated player, especially on offense. Uh, this is not fun to say out loud. Uh, most overrated is Sean Lee. Um, because right now, I mean, the truth is, is he's a liability when he's on the field, you know, I mean, and, and, and really it got to the end of the game yesterday on Sunday. And I was like, I'm glad it's Joe Thomas on the field, not Sean Lee, you know, because here's a question for you. Is, Is he, is Sean Lee even active on Sunday or on Saturday night? I don't know, man. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I, it's kind of because he doesn't do to, anything on special teams for you. I mean, it's it's tough to make it. At some point, they're going to need to make a very tough decision about that. But yeah, I mean, I I think if all things were equal, I probably would make him inactive. You know, I just I can't trust I can't trust him on the field. Like it just he gets getting turned around. And the crazy thing about it is that it's like. It's the stuff that he usually gets, like, he has nailed down. It seems like he, there's times when he's lost. You know, it seems like there's times when he's just, he doesn't trust what he's seeing. And that's that's really crazy to watch with Sean Lee because that's definitely not something that has been part of his game. This is the guy who's supposed to know exactly where he's supposed to be and usually gets there on time. So, um, yeah, I, I, that, that aspect of it is very confusing. Um, most underrated. I, I, you know, it's tough. I mean, because we kind of talk about these guys all the time. So I'll, I'll give you mine. Uh, my, my most underrated player is Anthony Brown. Anytime okay. he's in the game, uh, I mean, he's played. This is the best I've ever seen him play. And yeah. you're going to play some pretty good slot receivers in the playoffs. Doesn't make a ton of interceptions or, you know, those kind of plays. But, man, he just doesn't get beat very often. And then no. once again on Sunday, even despite, you know, missing a lot of practice time this week, he made the play Big of the game to, to win you the game. So uh, I feel really good about Anthony Brown as my slot corner, and he doesn't get enough attention in Dallas because of Byron Jones and Demarcus Lawrence and Leighton Van Der Esch and all those guys. I was going to say, I mean, the guy I've been itching to say I've been holding back, but Antoine Woods. I, 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 I don't one. think people understand what he has provided for this defense. I mean, the ability to, when he's playing well and these linebackers are are – able to run and, and do what they need to do and not you know stay clean and Antoine is eating double teams and beating double teams and chasing the ball out to the freaking sideline from the, the, the one technique spot uh, you know this is a guy who we picked up off of nothing I mean this is a yeah. guy we got for for dimes uh, you know in the off season uh, and he's playing uh uh with uh, with a, a level that is not play that we haven't seen in one technique in a while, uh, and I think it's it's really uh, fantastic uh, to see the, the 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 results, the rolling results of that, like the 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 cascading results of his play have filtered back to the linebackers, and and it's been fantastic uh, just to see a spot that we were so terrified of 
be filled so you know effectively by a guy that we basically just got for nothing. Yeah, I mean that's a great point. Antoine Woods has has been a star this year, and uh, he had to lose like thirty pounds to play yeah. in Ron Marinelli's defense. And man, the, the combination between him, Daniel Ross, Karan Reed, getting it done inside. Uh, it's pretty fantastic. Real, real quick, the vision—the vision that the the—you I mean, have to give it up to the front office for having the vision to say, "Hey, if we get this guy to lose thirty pounds, he can play our one technique." I mean, yeah. that was all foresight of projecting what this guy would look like, play like at thirty pounds less, recognizing that this guy was an athlete underneath all that fat, <laughs> and then and then, <laughs> right. and then convincing him, "Hey, if you lose thirty pounds, instead of being a nose tackle, be a, a one technique zero tech uh, shade." then you could be a completely different player, and that is exactly what happened. And who knew that our one technique had great hands? Oh, oh, a great job on the on the play by Eli, or the uh, the, the strip sack from Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, just incredible to see. Uh, Snagging that off this guy's head it was great. It was unbelievable. I, I saw after the game that he was petitioning to get his catch rating up on Madden. So we'll have to talk to the people at EA and see what they think. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.